So a practice of the Dhamma, and the reason that we train our mind each day like this, it's for the sake of bringing the mind to a state of firmness, so that it doesn't shake what we call samadhi. The samadhi, the firm establishment of the heart. And so we train it so that it's um, firm. And if it isn't firm when we receive a sense impression, when the outer sense input meets with the inner sense organs, and these come together, there's pasa, there's contact, and then there's feeling, and then immediately this goes on into craving and clinging. So we need to be cautious at this point, and especially so that the mind has mindfulness there. Because if it doesn't, then greed, hatred and delusion will arise, and we won't have kanti, we won't have forbearance. And if we follow those moods and emotions that arise, this can be extremely dangerous. Because greed is a fire, hatred, delusion are fires. So the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, he had us all see the drawbacks of a mind which is attached to its objects and its moods. Because these objects and moods of the mind, they're normal and natural things. They don't have any agenda to them, they're just what they are. They're just an object, they're just a mood. And if the mind doesn't attach to them, then that's what they remain, just an object, just a mood. But if the mind doesn't have energy, then it will cling to them. And then through that, it becomes all stirred up, it doesn't have any peace to it. And all throughout the day, we just can't stop thinking at all. These thoughts just carry on. And we do some work, but then the mind attaches to that work. We just carry on thinking about it, making a story about it, proliferating without stop. So therefore we need to find an opportunity and a time to bring our minds to peace, which means for us to sit in meditation. And then as we do that from a mind which is all stirred up and confused, slowly but surely becomes calmer, becomes more still. But we need to train our minds to do this. So perhaps we can use uh, contemplation to do that, like contemplating into this body here. Seeing the body as composed of elements, seeing it as something which is unattractive, seeing it of the 32 parts that make it up, and contemplating this body or having mindfulness in the body as it's standing, as it's walking, it's sitting, it's lying down. Having mindfulness there when it's drinking, when it's eating, when it's uh, speaking, whatever movements it's engaged in. Having mindfulness in the body. Or anapanasati, this mindfulness over the breath. So knowing the breath, and this breath is a part of the body, it's the air element, one of the four elements. So for the meaning of this is 
to bring mindfulness and samadhi to the mind, which means bringing the mind to one object, to have a focus there of one object. But perhaps in the beginning this is something that's difficult for us to do, to just bring it to one thing. So then, and the mind goes between different things. It can bring up the breath and stay with that sometimes, and then it contemplates the body at other times, goes between different things, and that's something that's normal. Or perhaps it's difficult to just bring our attention to one word, buddho. And so we can use buddho arahang and then arahang buddho, go between these. Bringing the mind to a mantra, meditation word, a contemplation of the 32 parts of the body, as it's difficult for us to stay with just one part so we can move through all of the 32 parts. Until the thoughts that are in the mind get less and less, and the peace of the mind grows. Until there's rapture within the heart and happiness there, these qualities of vitaka vichara piti sukha ekakada, so the initial and sustained establishment of the mind, rapture, happiness, one pointedness arise. So in the beginning, this is how we need to go at it. And perhaps peace doesn't arise each day. Maybe sometimes we get peaceful and sometimes not. But don't become discouraged and don't give up. And carry on with your efforts. Like when we're doing walking meditation. And when we do that, then we don't just walk around in a circle, but we walk along a straight path. And so, as we walk and then we get to the end of the path, and we know that we've reached the end, and then we turn around and we're at the beginning of the path, then we know that. In the middle of the path, we know that. Coming to the end, we know that. And then as we turn around, stand still, then we know that we're standing still. And then we bring our mindfulness through the body. So from the hair the top of our heads down to our feet and then back up to the top of the head again. And we have composure within our body as we're walking. So we can have our gaze maybe three or two meters on the path in front of us. And we don't look around. We have that composure, collectedness. So we don't look off to the left or to the right. Because if we do, then our minds will be sent out uh, through that. So we keep our gaze straight ahead in front of us and walk with this composure and collectedness. And as we're walking, if there's many thoughts going on, then we can stop walking and stand still. And then breathe in so that the lungs are full of oxygen and breathe out and empty all of that air and do that three times, and then start walking again with mindfulness. And whether we're walking or sitting, and there's lots of thoughts going on, uh, then we can try pressing our tongue against the roof of the mouth, and holding our breath. And then through that, the uh, thoughts should stop. So as we're practicing, we need to try and train ourselves in 
these ways. We can also use a means of contemplation to bring the mind to peace. So contemplating death, for instance, can recite how life is not sure, but death is sure. Death is the culmination of my life. My life must end in death. So if we use this phrase, these words, and recite them, and the mind comes to peace, then that's good, that's useful. And we can try reciting that in a way that brings up an image in our mind, that our life is like a cow that's being led to its slaughter, that's going to have its throat cut. And with each step that it takes, it's moving closer and closer to its death. And as we do that, then the mind may come to peace and stillness, because we know that we must die, we're getting closer to our death. So what then could we possibly want? Why then would we become greedy? Why would there be hate and ill will? Why get deluded? Because we know that we need to be separated from this world. It's like a child at the time of the Buddha. This girl, she contemplated death until her mind became very still and peaceful. And so the Buddha asked her, where are you from? And she said, I don't know. And the meaning of that was that where she was from before this life, in her last life, she didn't know. And the Buddha said, where are you going to? And she said, I don't know. Meaning that after this life, she didn't know where she would go. And then the Buddha said, so you don't know? And she replied, I do know. Meaning that she knew that she must die. And then the Buddha said, so you, so you know then? And she replied, no, I don't know. Meaning that she didn't know where she would die. She didn't know when or how she would die. So this girl had a lot of wisdom, even though she was only seven years old. And the Buddha exclaimed after this exchange that this world is dark and the people who know are very few. And so the people who know, they're the ones who know that this body is not theirs, it's not them. And there are very few people who know this. And she was a Sotapanna, a stream enterer. She'd seen that her body was anatta, not self. And so we all want to reach stream entry as well, because we wish to close the lower realms, these places of suffering. That we don't want to get born in hell, or in the realms of uh, the animals, or the hungry ghosts, or the asura guys. And so, therefore, we need to start. We need to start with this foundation of sila, sila dhamma, or virtue, and to have generosity as well. So we create merit through this, through being generous, and through um, having this virtue to us. And we are generous in line with our energy of our faith, and also how much wealth we have. 
And if we have a lot of wealth and a lot of faith, then we can give a lot. And for those who do so, we uh, give our rejoice in their goodness too. And for those who have uh, faith but not so much wealth, then they just give uh, whatever they can in line with that, in line with that faith, until they feel a fullness in their hearts. And so this merit, it's a fullness in the heart, it's a happiness which arises within the hearts. And so we can bring that up through offering rice, or offering water, offering food, or offering to a monastery the um, expenses of the uh, electricity and water that they use. And this is all merit, and it's a lot of merit. And so offering to contribute uh, to paying the uh, expenses of the electricity and water, or offering uh, solar uh, panels and the solar system to the monastery. It means that the monastery can save uh, a lot of its expenses. And there's a constant supply of electricity for the monastery, and when they have that, then the monastery can use that uh, to pump the water. And then there's also an offering of water then within that uh, offering of the electricity and the solar panels. And then the monks can use that, use that water, use that electricity, and the people who come to the monastery to create goodness, they use that too. And can use it for the electricity, for the lighting, so there are bright lights for the monks and the lay people to be able to chant, meditate, to study the Dhamma. And the kitchen also needs, needs to use this water and electricity as well, so that they can make food to offer to the monks and the Dhamma practitioners who come here. So there's a huge amount of benefit that comes from this, and it can be used for over 10 years. So the benefits are great, these benefits in offering the four requisites to the Sangha. And so we can create goodness in this way. So having this generosity, having sila, virtue, these are things that we just carry on doing on a consistent basis. And so we give uh, through these means. We're generous like this, and this brings up a peace and a happiness within the heart. And there's also sila there, this virtue. And then when we have these qualities of generosity and virtue, then these lead us to cultivating our hearts, this bhavana. So merit gives us happiness of heart. So we abandon all unskillful, bad deeds and give rise to skillfulness, creating uh, our sila and our bharami in this way. And we carry on cultivating our bharami like this until we start seeing the drawbacks of this kind of happiness. That even though that happiness is great, still we are stuck in the cycle of going between birth and death, birth and death. And even though we create this merit, we still need to be born again. 
But if we create a lot of merit, a lot of barami, then the birth that we get, it's a good birth. So we need to see the drawbacks in a mind which isn't collected, that doesn't have samadhi, a mind which is all stirred up. And then we need to see the benefit in seeking out the time to practice. Because our time that we have in this world, it's not sure. Our lives are not sure. So we should hurry to create goodness while we can. Because we need to be separated from this world. And whoever we are, whatever we are, that all beings, all people, all animals, whether large or small, they all need to be separated from each other and from this world. And it's only the goodness and the badness that we create that we take with us, these travel with us, with our minds. So we need to try to create good deeds, good karma, so that this will follow us. Our minds at the last stage of life, it's uh, very important, the state of mind at this time. And if we have created a lot of goodness before then, then this can fill up the heart. And then we also create goodness at that point, and this also arises as a happiness of heart. And then when we pass away, then we'll be led to a state of happiness. Because at that time, the mind has happiness within it. There's a good quality to the heart. And so then the mind goes to a good place, to heaven. But if the mind is in a state of suffering, then it will be born in a bad place, in a place of difficulty. So we need to be really careful around this. And we need to put effort into cultivating our minds, and to do that every single day. Throughout the day we try to keep our mindfulness and be very mindful, and really firm in doing that. We try to bring the mind to a state where it's well-established. And then when we do that, uh, then in no long time, uh, the mind will become very settled and we can see into conventions and into liberation, samuti and vimuti. We see that form is not self, mentality is not self. We're able to perceive this. So whatever it is in our meditation that we're skilled at, then we should practice in that. And so if we're skilled at contemplating in order to bring the mind to peace, then we should do that a lot. If we're skilled at reciting Buddha to bring the mind to peace, we should do that a lot. And this is the path that brings us to the end of suffering. So may all of you set your hearts on this. <laughs>